0: means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I've never been this nervous
1: in my life.
4: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Consequence Uncut, a series that gives listeners and readers a deeper dive into our features with major artists. For this episode,
1: we're taking you deeper into a digging conversation that we had with Chromio about 10 essential Dayton, Ohio funk records that everyone should own.
2: Where is the institutional sort of recognition for stuff like this? It's certainly not there enough. And I think that when we started Clomio, our whole deal is that like, we felt like this music did not get its flowers. And we were like, dude, we're going to take this music. We're going to disguise it as bloghouse or electro or indie or whatever other genres we were adjacent to. And we're going to use this as a Trojan horse to make more people familiar with, with this stuff. Because this stuff, as kids and as outsiders, it,
4: it blew our minds. I'm Nijon Zulu, lead podcast producer at Consequence.
1: I'm Paolo Ragusa, an associate editor at Consequence.
4: So, Paolo, welcome back. It's so good to see you. Happy New Year. I am back again. (laughs) Happy New Year. Back, back, back again with quality content.
1: Exactly. I'm definitely excited about this edition of Crate Digging. It's a series where we have artists pick 10 essential records from a specific genre or scene that everybody should own. For this episode, we had Chromio pick a uh, rather unexpected entry: Dayton, Ohio Funk Records. I'll be totally mm-hmm. honest. Before they decided to select this as their theme, I did not know anything about Dayton, Ohio
4: Funk Records. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I feel like a lot of people have heard of Dayton, Ohio. Like they know that it's a thing that exists in the ether, but I don't think that everyone (laughs) would be able to say like, I know a lot of things about Dayton, Ohio. And I don't think that anyone would have thought that two guys from Montreal, one Jewish, one Arab, and both French speaking would be like, yo, Dayton, Ohio, we got that tip.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was also really exciting to see just first of all, how this region and the music that came out of that region in the the late 70s and the early 80s had such a profound impact on their music as Chromio and in a way that was also unexpected because a lot of these songs and a lot of these records that they name are albums and songs that have been sampled by so many hip-hop artists over the years, especially West Coast hip-hop. A huge thing that they talk about that I think is super important and really exciting is that it all goes back to this guy Roger Troutman he pioneered an instrument called the talk box. And this, uh, according to Chromio, is one of their instruments of choice. And it had a huge impact on the music that they would come to
4: make, yeah, and literally a talk box is the instrument that P plays, and I'm going to call him P. I know his name is P Thug People, but you know what? After listening to this interview, I feel like I'm on a first name basis with Chromio. I mean, I basically only work at Consequence because it makes me feel like I'm eventually famous, but that's another <laughs> story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah, and I've heard so many uh, uses of the talk box on Chromio songs, so it's really exciting to hear them talk about the history of this instrument and the way that Roger Troutman's legacy continued from Dayton, Ohio and beyond. He also talks about two other really essential groups. Roger Troutman was in a group called Zap, so that was one of the essential groups. But the two other ones that really pioneered the genre in Dayton, Ohio, are Slave and The Ohio Players. Both of these groups were kind of large collectives. And they had such a profound impact on other musicians from Dayton, on the funk scene at large, and then eventually, as I had said earlier, on hip-hop about 20 years later.
4: And you know what? When I was listening to this, I started getting chills because we did a crate-digging article with... Paul Wall and terminology where they were talking about boom bap rap and they were talking about how music from New Orleans and southern jazz was was influencing rap. And when you listen to it you totally hear those musical connections and you're like, "Oh, I could see how that happened and how they, you know, how people are using the music that they grew up with to create all, this whole new genre that was burgeoning." And it's so cool to see that funk has its own personal story as well and that it influences you know, Chromio as this kind of like Trojan horse, like, hey, listen to Chromio, we'll help you dance, but actually we're going to educate you about this music that is so essential and that's under-celebrated.
1: You know, I've been thinking a lot about how like a lot of people know the story of Motown. A lot of people know the story of Stax Records. There's so many, you know, massive like legacy record labels and movements and scene that even, you know, when it does come into our cultural understanding of Black movements and Black history, you know, people know a lot more about those scenes and those movements now than they did. But Dayton, Ohio's funk scene is strangely left out of the picture. And I really appreciate that Chromio is sort of attacking this of, as, a, as a bit of like an issue as saying like, no, this is a movement. This is a scene that we need to be culturally aware of and give it, res- you know, give it its respect. And that's, I yeah. think, why they came into this session so enthusiastic about this specific scene. Um, And yeah, I think if you're listening to this, and you check out these records, and you read up on the history, especially of Roger Troutman and his brothers in the band Zap, you're going to learn a lot.
4: Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it's because, you know, the main employers in Dayton is like the university, the medical center. Like, it's not, it's not a place where people are like, oh, yeah, I go to Dayton for da 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 da. But yeah. I'm so inspired that these guys from Montreal like latched onto this music and it brought us Chromio which is amazing and that you know they're really using their art their platform and their voices to really celebrate it and really try and get the story told. I, I'm signing up for that documentary. I hope, I hope we do a little like, you know, deep dive into, into funk music. I'm sold. I'm sold.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. They talk about wanting to sort of do their own documentary spotlighting this scene in this region. And I think they ended up having to kind of push that aside a little bit as they have a new album coming out. It comes out on Friday, February 16th. It's called Adult Contemporary. Probably the best Chromeo album yet. Definitely check that out if you're listening to this. You will also groove along to it the way you would groove along to Zap and to Slave and The Ohio Players.
4: Yeah, I'm so excited about their album coming out. And, you know, this is just a great way to jump right in.
1: So you can check out the full article on Consequence.net.
4: And please remember to subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast feed to stay up to date with these in depth interviews. And now I'll turn it over to Paolo and Chromios P Thug and Dave One for this interview. Please enjoy.
1: You guys have an album coming out in a couple weeks. We're very excited about it. It was on our most anticipated albums of 2024 list. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that on there. Of course. I love that song with LaRue last year. It's just been so great to see you guys come back so strong. Real quick, you know, before the album comes out, tell me what it's been like, you know, doing promo for this, how excited you are for it to come out in a couple weeks. And yeah. I mean, I mean yeah,
2: you know, it's a grind and you never really know how it's going to be received or how it's going to land. You probably have it. They probably sent you the whole song. I think already, they did. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you, you tell us, you listen to it <laughs> and tell us what you think. We're kind of tunnel vision a little bit.
1: Yeah. You're like so enmeshed. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I do feel like it's cr- classic Chromio.
2: Classic. Yeah.
1: Songs were a little bit more unexpected to me. You know, having some of the guests on the songs too. Like I noticed that LaRue song is just fantastic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's only, she's the only guest on it. It's one guest this time around.
1: That's interesting. It also just feels like you're hearkening back to his style when you first started. That like, I feel like his is coming around to being like extra fashionable again. If you don't mind me saying, like, I feel like the yeah. like, Romeo sound is in in like a really fun nostalgic way. So I'm very excited for it to come out. Let's dig into Dayton Funk essentials for this edition of Crate Digging. First question I have before we dig into the albums is why. Dayton, Ohio, why are we taking the trip to Dayton?
2: So I'll I'll start with that and then P will talk more about the songs on the playlist. I'll I'll just add a few little things. But basically, you know, our our brand, our su- our subgenre of funk has mm-hmm. always been really influenced by the Minneapolis sound. Yeah. So right. So so you know, funk in America, it's still, unfortunately, for different institutional, prejudicial, racist reasons, it's under taught and it's underappreciated and it's under discussed, but much like every other American genre music, it's got different strands and local kind of variations, right? Like regional variations. So the Minneapolis sound of funk, you could say is like the Prince, the time, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, all the way to what they produced for Janet Jackson and that kind of like, you know, very raw very drum machine and synthesizer base, mm-hmm. uh, based, right? Not based, based, um, you know, ready for the world, those kinds of, of groups. And, and because we use drum machines and it's mainly drum, and sh- drum machines, guitar, bass, and synthesizers, we always considered Minneapolis our kind of spirit animal. Mm-hmm. But P's main instrument is the talk box. And, you know, that is attributed to Roger Troutman. And Roger Chapman and, and Zapp are from Dayton, Ohio, and Dayton, Ohio. You could say even more so than Minneapolis. I, I think P would agree to that. Ba- Dayton, Ohio, more so than Minneapolis, has a variety of, frunk, of funk bands that really are kind of seminal to the genre. And before we delve into the playlist, uh, you know, P and I have a dream of doing a documentary about about Zapp, and it's going to happen we just uh we we were pretty far along and then covid happened so we're still wanting to do that but beyond that there's also a social history about Dayton Ohio and when we started setting the stage for that project we wondered why so much funk was coming out of Dayton Ohio in the 70s and 80s and p correct me if i'm wrong but one of the reasons or one of the main reasons is that Dayton had a substantial middle class. I believe it was an industry town at the time. And it had a substantial middle class. You had a lot of families that had basements. Kids could learn instruments and practice together. And that kind of gave way to this like shape-shifting funk tradition where young musicians could thrive and could practice because they had houses and there was room for it. And it, it didn't mean they were rich. It was just like a solid middle class thing. So Dayton, Ohio, is a story also about a community and an an economic moment in time in the '60s, '70s in America that gave way to this like really specific brand of funk. And I, I, I guess, and then I'll I'll pass the mic over to P when we go because we're going to go track by track, right?
1: If you could go album by album, that would be best. But you know, for the sake of this, since you got the playlist with songs, you know, just yeah, album that the. Song is on, and then just list the essential.
2: So, I'll tell you what, we'll, P will talk about the songs and I'll look up what the album. Well, actually, we have the album. It's just that we basically, some of the albums are from the greatest hits, but you can find the individual okay. albums too. The That's greatest fine,
1: right? Hits is also perfectly valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's actually probably better for this because it's more pedagogical. But I, I think for me, like the Zenith, I me. Mean, Obviously, you know, there's 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 different groups, but for P and I, as far as P and I are concerned, the Zenith is is Zap and Zap and Roger because they have the talk box, and that really influenced us since we were teenagers, and that whole family are kind of like heroes to us. But there's other huge funk bands that we'll talk about and and that we'll go over. So we'll start digging in. I guess the first one is the group Sun. The, we took it from their greatest hits, and the song is is "Want to Make Love." And maybe P wants to say a couple words about it.
5: The reason why this is first on this on the list is that this son is a is an older group from Dayton. It dates from the early seventies, and this was an album that was produced by Roger Trotman and his brother Lester. You can definitely hear, and that's why this song is in this. This is one of the first times Roger was experimenting with a talk box. That's actually him playing the talk box through a guitar on that song. And that's Lester playing the drums. They came in, basically these dudes were like the old, the old guys from Dayton. And Roger and Larry and Lester, sorry, were, were the young cats. And they went up to, to these kids and they were like, Hey, who's the kids and who's the old guys the kids are roger troutman and lester troutman got it and sun is sun is an older band sun is an older band Uh, they were like a generation over they've already had they had already had two or three albums out and what's really interesting is if you go back to their previous albums and you hear the difference it's pretty obvious who did what it's it's giving you the blueprint for zap one when you listen to songs like Be All Right, the drum sounds, the way it's produced, the way it's mixed, it's very similar to Sun, that album, that specific album that Roger and Lester produced and also wrote and composed. But they came in as like, hey, we're the new guys. The equivalent of today, if somebody was to come in and add plugins to, I don't know, an 80s band. You know, they came in with the new technology and Roger Troutman was at his most creative spot where he was like I want to use this talk box and you know Roger was referencing Sly and the Family Stone with the talk box that's that's how it started before he made it into like a lead vocal with a synthesizer because he was missing the sustain on the talk box notes you know what i mean that's that's literally the the first steps this is the birth of Roger Troutman and Zapp.
1: So just to be,
2: just to correct a little bit, actually, this is their debut album. So maybe if you're referencing Sun before that, they probably had like, they were probably playing live or in other configurations, but this is actually the first Sun album. And the first album is this one from 1976.
5: Yeah, I mean, they, they had previous albums. They had previous albums, but we're talking about, you know, 1971, a local Dayton band. They weren't, I don't even think... They- you know, distributed or anything. This is, right. we're literally talking about the guys from around the block. Let's move on.
1: Perfect. You guys can, uh, yeah, keep going on uh, number two of uh, Dayton Funk Essentials.
2: So Rough, So Tough by Zap from the album The Many Facets
5: of Roger. This is, I mean, I threw this one in because I, I just, uh, you know, there's so many Zap songs that we could we could have used for that. This one I thought it was fun because there's a big Beastie Boys sample on there. And I mean to me the definition of funk is Zap and Roger Troutman. I we have a lot of talk box during our show. We use the talk box. It's this is where it started when Dave and I were like teenagers collecting records and we discovered the music of Parliament Funkadelic, Curtis Collins and Zap that was pretty much the start. The day I heard "More Bounce to the Ounce," so rough, so tough, dance floor. I knew that was something I, I wanted to to do and recreate for the rest of my life.
1: That's beautiful. I really appreciate that, Dave. Anything you have to say about uh this specific Zap album?
2: Nah, nah. This is peace at it all. Peace at all. Beautiful. Let's 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 move on to Heatwave. Number three. A couple of words on Heatwave. They're British. But they've got two members, they've got a, two members
5: from uh, Dayton. So P, why did you want to include that one? They are British. The two main members in there are from Dayton. And another member is Rod Temperton, who wrote a lot of Michael Jackson stuff. So in my mind, Heat Wave has always been the sort of a power group. Is that a super group? A super group, yeah.
2: I love the fact That's- that they've got a drummer from Czechoslovakia
5: heatwave has always fascinated me because of that diversity that's kind of why i've been on there
1: so what is the album title specifically for this heatwave album
5: candles the cover is the cover is insane if i remember correctly amazing it's like an airbrush thing with like melting cakes and candles wow yeah it's really cool
1: amazing great and then what was the essential track for this
2: Gangsters of the group, our first song that ever came out as Chromio ever was called You're So Gangsta. There you go. That's why I put it on there.
1: Love it.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
2: The next one is Aura. Aura is the band. The song is called Are You Single. The album is called Send Your Love. What's the deal with that one? The thing about Dayton
5: is that every all all roads leads back to Ohio players and Slave. So a lot of projects are offshoots are offshoots from those two bands. Aura had a specific Style that that I always loved. And I remember Dave and I collecting records together and be like, we'd look at the cover and be like, this is so Prince. Like, this is very, it, it has a certain, like, it has a Minneapolis vibe to it. It's not as like slavey or lakesidey as the rest of the Dayton stuff. It's got a bit of a Minneapolis thing, which I always appreciated.
1: Wonderful. I think we're on to number five now.
2: Uh, number five. Oh my God. Shirley Murdoch. The song is called Teaser. And the album is also called Shirley Murdoch. And I, yeah. I, I mean,
5: Shirley Murdoch has a beautiful duet with Roger Troutman. And so mm. she's sick. She, she's well, not only that, Shirley Murdoch was their Tawatha, you know, like... We got to explain who Tawatha is. So Tawatha, Paolo, she is the singer
2: from the 80s funk band m 2 She sings the song Juicy Proof. You know what, what Biggie sampled on Juicy? Mm-hmm. That's an original song called Juicy Fruit by a group called M2Mate. And it's a female vocal. You know very well who you are. Don't let me hold you down. And so that woman who sang that is still very much alive and kicking today. She sang backups with Steven Dan. She sang with Aretha. And she's our go to backup singer for our last three albums. So wow. time. Well, actually, there's an exception which will tie back to this. but But anyway, yeah. So, so. Tawatha sings our backing vocals. So when P says that she was like the Tawatha to, to Zap and Roger, I guess she was their go-to backing
5: vocalist. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And not only that, but a lot of those those records were produced by Roger and Lester also. She was kind of like their big, you know, their sister, their spirit, spiritual sister. To this day, they Lester speaks very highly about Shirley.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Great. And then you had an... Uh, you enlisted the essential track.
5: It's called Teaser.
1: Teaser. Okay. We're on to number six. These are all so exciting. I can't wait to dig into these albums later. Everything is here
2: for a reason too. And, and so everything connects together. So With our personal story or
5: intertwined between each other. So
2: The next one is the band Slaves. And the song is, so, is called Slide. And the album is also called Slaves. And as P said before, you know, he said like everything ties back to kind of... Slave and the Ohio players. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, say something a little bit and then we'll talk about the song, but how it ties back. So how it ties back to our personal history. If you look at that song on Spotify, there's actually two primary artists, Flave and Jimmy Douglas. All right. Jimmy Douglas was the producer for that band. And I think that, you know, for some kind of Spotify reason, he's also listed as yeah. primary artist. Jimmy Douglas has a daughter, She's called Felicia Douglas, and she sings with a band that you probably know called the Dirty Projectors, you know, the Dirty Projectors. She also sings backing vocals on two songs on our new album, because her style is very different than Tawatha. So when Tawatha is not singing backing vocals on this album, it's Felicia Douglas, daughter of Jimmy Douglas, producer of Slave, seminal funk band
5: from Dayton, Ohio. Here we
1: go. Love it. Amazing. Anything yeah. you
5: want to add, Pete? So Steve Arrington also had a solo career. What I say, <clears throat> a lot of projects and artists from Dayton are offshoots of either Ohio player players or, or a slave. Steve Arrington is one of them who went on and had a very successful sor- solo career after he, uh, he left uh, slave. We'll have a track a bit later about him. All right. The next
2: one, the next one is a big classic. That one, I would say it's probably one of the most famous Dayton songs. It's called Riding High. The album is called Riding High. The group is called Phase O, like F-A-Z-E-O. And that one you've probably heard before. It's funny because we discovered a lot of those songs when we were teenagers on compilations, CD compilations called like Old School Funk volume three and personally I never liked that song I don't know why I hated it. Because it's like it's weird. That song is like not really it's not really groovy. It's kind of like I know it's weird. It's a little bit psychedelic. Because it's got like a it's got like this droney synth. Mm-hmm. Like it's just weird. I don't know. It, but now I listen to it and I find it genius. Well P, you might want to add a little something on that one.
5: I like Faisal because they had a distinct style, it's very goofy, it's not like the typical yeah. you know, yeah, uh, like they've said it's uh they have very elongated drony, almost ethereal songs they have very strange funk sounds that are straight up, you know like boom clap boom clap, very very lo fi um I just I, I like them in the in the landscape of Dayton, of Dayton funk, they, they really have their place, I think.
2: And that song, Riding High, is famous also because it was sampled by EPMD, seminal rap groups from the 90s. They have a song called Please Listen to My Demo, yeah. and it, it, sa- it samples the song. And EPMD oh. is interesting. People usually associate West Coast hip hop with those kind of funk samples. Yeah, yeah. Right. But EPMD is New York, and they're specific. They're kind of like not talked about enough. I find like they don't mention them like the way like De La Soul had a whole Renaissance and stuff. Obviously, like you know, well deserved. But I feel like more people need to talk about EPMD because they were really special. And they're an East Coast rap group. They're from Long Island, but all their samples were funk. That was their that was their twist. And yeah. actually, they sampled all the Roger stuff a couple of years before Dr. Dre. Like, Dr. Dr. Dre kind of ran with that. Oh, they were yeah, 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 they were doing that thing in like 91. I mean, obviously NWA and them were doing it, but EPMD was doing it it with a New York twist. They're very
5: interesting. They're very singular. EPMD EPMD is probably the main reason why I fell in love with funk music because EPMD was one of the first bands I listened to when I moved to Canada. Um, You know, I was into hip hop, so I was like listening to... LL Cool EPMD, De La Soul, and EPMD always had those, you know, those talk box sample, those, that, that funk, those funk samples. And when I, we started collecting records, I was like, "Whoa, this is from EPMD, this is from here, this is from that. And I knew all, all that music already because I've heard the loops before. I've heard them chopped up. So anyway, so that song is famously sampled by EPMD. The
2: next one we have is Steve Arrington, member of yeah. aforementioned group Slave. The song is called Speak With Your Body. The album is called Steve Arrington's Hall of Fame Volume 1, which is hilarious because it's his debut album. You know, I love people who call their debut album Greatest Hits. Yeah, Actually, my brother first, did that with Duck Sauce as well. Yeah, Duck I, was Sauce. Say, I was
1: like, I think that sounds very familiar.
2: <laughs> yeah, Duck Sauce's first album is called Greatest Hits. So, yeah, so Steve Arrington, I believe, is, uh, uh, he's the bass player. From slave and I and the producer on that album is Jimmy Douglas, who we talked about before. So again, it all it all kind of connects together, which is kind of dope when you have a, a smaller town like that and yeah. a, a scene of musicians because there's like all these charts you can draw in between all the players, literally all the players, and it, it's fascinating. It's like a Rubik's cube. But anyway,s Pete, yeah. did you choose that song uh, for a specific reason?
5: one or two reasons because he you know he came from um, because he came from slave but also because his career continued on and yeah he's actually active he's still Dude, active.
2: he's on he's on stone's throw did you he's know so stone's stone's yeah stone's throw records the probably one of the greatest independent hip-hop records of the labels of the 90s all the way till today Madeline, Jay Dilla. uh, Steve uh, Arrington's got an album on there.
5: Two, actually, two. He kind of always reminded me of a a tamer version of Rick James. He's just always involved everywhere. His career lasted so long. You see him in interviews. he's He's a real character.
1: So what number are we at now? I think we're at number nine, correct? Yeah, we're at number nine
2: with the Ohio Players, the song is called Fire, the album is called Fire. And, you know, like, I think, obviously, they're called the Ohio Players. It's weird. So, they're, the first songs that we discovered, the, the first song we discovered from them as kids, again, through hip-hop samples, is a song called Funky Warm. And, like, there's something about that, the sort of a, the Moog keyboard, which kind of became, like, a very G-funk sound, right? But, But- it just like that kind of legato like thing like that right and funky warm has it in a really zany way but um but p you chose the song fire
5: yeah cuz we we all know the other one fire is is a great song the thing about ohio players is that they had so many members they're kind of like parliament there's probably and there's two other artists on this playlist that come from ohio players uh, not only one but there's another one uh juni morrison i don't know if you've heard of juni morrison he also has solo albums later solo albums which are very much in the parliament funkadelic type of, of of funk and they they also gave birth to sugarfoot which is on that list a bit later i think ohio players is really like they're like the, the godfathers of all that because they
2: formed in 1959 so like wow. they're they're like a whole almost like two generations before all the other ones, right? If you look on 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 their wiki like of all the members, like the list is like this, you know. So like yeah, yeah, you could say they're they're probably one of the most important funk bands, period, because they're kind of like yeah, this yeah, angelic.
5: they're they're like the bizarro parliament funkadelic. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how I always saw them. They have so many members, proficient, so many. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> impressive. It's impressive. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's
2: it's yeah. and again, like you know, to tie it back to what we were saying before, and I think this is like a really important po- point to, to for us to, to to make on this episode is that all this music is underreported. It's under it's under discussed, and it's <laughs> under acknowledged. And I know I sound kind of like I don't want to sound like too vindictive when I say this, but one of the reasons we started Chromeo is that like. We're literally like outsiders from this whole world. You know, We're French-speaking dudes from Montreal, Canada, from immigrant families. We did not grow up with this kind of music. And we discovered it in the 90s through hip-hop samples. And then we went back and traced the roots of all these samples. And because we played music and were in a high school band, we fell in love with funk music. And so we were able to appreciate it from the outside. And without the musical segregation... And the prejudices that came along with the American music industry in in the 70s, 60s and 70s, where radio genres were segregated, you had black music, you had R&B stations that were separated from like pop music and so on and rock music. It was really, it's really fucked up. And earlier on today, we're doing a, an interview with the Grammys and there's no category for funk. They have broad R&B categories, but it's, it, you're really talking about a salt of the earth, American, Americana genre, right? That comes from a, a, an industrialized a d- industrial town, Dayton, Ohio, middle America, middle class. This is the American dream, right? That or this is the American post-war. The American post-war model is to create these functional middle class towns, right? In the middle of the country where a thriving middle class can do shit like form bands and have kids practice in their garage. You have these seminal bands, right? One of them creates, Roger Troutman creates one of the most sampled catalog of songs of all time, right? Up there with James Brown, probably even more because like every couple of years, there's a a song that comes out sampling computer love, right? All the time, right? Ohio Players, they're monuments, right? Steve, Steve Arrington... Still puts out records today, prolific. Jimmy Douglas. Jimmy Douglas, who's from Slave as well, right? The producer, we talked about him before. He mixed albums, mixed and produced for Duran Duran, Kanye West. I mean, you name it. Timberland, he was the mixing engineer for all the Timberlink songs. All, everything you ever heard from Timberland is mixed and engineered by Jimmy Douglas. And yet, where is the institutional sort of recognition for stuff like this? It's, it's not there or it's certainly not there enough. And I think that when we started Chromeo, our whole deal is that like, we felt like this music did not get its flowers. And we were like, dude, we're going to take this music. We're going to disguise it as bloghouse or electro or indie or whatever other genres we were adjacent to. And we're going to use this as a Trojan horse to make more people familiar with, with this stuff. Because this stuff, as kids and as outsiders, it, it blew our minds. It really ties into the, the raison d'etre of our yeah. band.
1: Yeah. Before we
5: move on, I want to emphasize like the importance of Juni Morrison because he was the link between Ohio Players and Funkadelic. He later joined Funkadelic, Parliament mm-hmm. Funkadelic. And he was really instrumental, no pun intended, in the sound of the later records. Um, and it's, to me, those, those links are so important. And like Dave said, Parliament Funkadelic changed music forever. Ohio Players changed music forever. And the link between them, between Zap and Roger, between the whole uh, Dayton community and... and all the bands that came out of there—it's—it's it's really, you know, it's, it's something that that should—the story should be told. Yeah,
2: like the the Grammys barely started to recognize Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, you know, like they're, they're, the 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 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think just like inducted them. Like, you know, it, it's it's just new that this stuff is starting to get institutional recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so next one, which is the tenth one, this is definitely a song you know uh lakeside fantastic voyage from the album fantastic voyage when we were literally like kids uh coolio came out that was his song that was his hit and uh and that's how we
5: learned about that song there you go yeah
2: sample actually i gave p uh the coolio album on vinyl I don't know if, yeah. what birthday it was. It probably was like your fifteenth, sixteenth birthday, maybe seventeenth birthday. But yeah. I gave you that album on vinyl. If you remember, yeah, I do remember yeah. the Coolio album on vinyl. Yeah. That was his birthday present, and yeah, that was yeah, mm. that was the song like "Fantastic Voyage." was like you know, yeah. crazy. So that that's really an anthem. And then we got we got two bonus cuts. One of them is important because the band is called Dayton. Oh, wow, it's I'll funny, right? That's another that's thing is those guys were really representing. You got the Ohio players, you've got the Band Dayton. They were really trying to put this thing on the map. Where to where is that? It's, yeah. yeah. We got to talk about this more. So the band is called Hot Fun in the summertime. The album is called Hot Fun. and the band is
5: called Dayton. Uh, P, you want to say a couple things about that? Exactly the same reason we just talked about I put it on there because you call your band you know the place where you're from better than of Montreal who are not from Montreal
2: <laughs>
5: are they not i don't think so actually maybe they are I, I think, so.
2: you're, I think so. you're right wait what happened with that band they were dope. it's been a while but no they're from Ath- they're from georgia what the fuck do you know what athens georgia what athens georgia is to indie is what Dayton, Ohio East is.
4: To
1: slunk. Slunk. Yeah, that's so fair. You yeah. you actually can make that comparison. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Because Athens, Georgia, what a mythical town. But again, that story's been told. How come nobody's say, telling the Dayton story? Or at least, there's maybe they're telling it on like BET, but they need to tell it on like crossover platforms because, like, because yes. at the end of the day, I'm sorry to say, but like. You know, a song like Fantastic Voyage, you know that song. Everybody knows that song. Those are crossover songs that play at weddings, bar mitzvahs. You know, that they're sampled. Zap is like the most sampled guy. So like that music has infiltrated mainstream culture, but not the story behind it. And that's yeah. why we're so like, we you know, we're chromio, like we're I know we're a very happy, uh, you know, fun loving band, but like this whole thing with us started with a bit of a chip on our shoulder because we were like hey, people should talk about this more. And and then we we dedicated our, our, our musical career to it. And then the, yeah. the last thing, the last bonus cut, and I, I know you were going to mention him before, P, is Sugarfoot. The song is I Will Be Your Star. The album is Sugar Kiss, but you mentioned that you really wanted to talk about Sugarfoot.
5: So Sugarfoot's also out of Ohio Players. And the thing with Sugarfoot is... He was actually born so the troutman family is from hamilton ohio actually and sugarfoot is also from hamilton ohio it's a tiny town i went there to uh, roger and larry's grave where they're, they're they have the family cemetery it's a small town 30 minutes outside of dayton that's already a small town (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and that's where all that's where the cola factory was that whole town used to live off of the cola factory and it was you know middle middle class neighborhood back in the 50s and 60s the factory closed down and since then the town has been almost abandoned but I went there and I saw the structure and the architecture in the city it was it was a suburb it was three floor houses garage. I saw the garage where Zap uh, Roger Troutman and his brother Lester and the whole family used to rehearse. Uh, some of the family still lives there. And the the day the day we drove through there, everybody was recognizing Lester. He would stop the car every three minutes, say hi to neighbor neighbors, old friends uh, from elementary school. It was it was really touching. But Hamilton was a big hub for music also. There was a circuit of clubs in Ham- in Hamilton where you could literally pinpoint every club. This is where uh, Zapp played their first gig. This is where Bootsy Collins first met Roger Troutman. This is where Ohio players cut their teeth. This is where Sugarfoot has his, had his first birthday. This is where, you know, like, it's it's so rich. It's insane, and it's almost abandoned today. It's a trip because like, really like the, the, the you know, if
2: she, I was just like reading the wiki on, on that city and like all these middle American, like sort of former Rust Belt. Well, no, they are Rust Belt towns. Like it's a, it's an American, it's a story about this country's economics. It's a story about the 20th century. And it's a story about the music that came out of like certain communities within those cities. And then that music goes on, permeates pop culture all the way to today mm-hmm. and you know we always wanted to kind of pay homage to that and so what at the beginning sounds like this super niche playlist of like shrunks from Dayton Ohio it, it, it's actually like it, it's actually just like saying Motown you know what I mean like it's it's just straight up like saying Motown and yeah so that kind of concludes
1: this fantastic voyage incredible the same that was perfect uh all right. and- So amazingly put, you know, this is such an illuminating chat, all of these stories about, you know, this regional sort of breakout. And it just reminds me, you know, before I'll I'll let you guys go soon, but, you know, it's just, it's really interesting thinking about the socioeconomics of it all. Thinking about today and the, how, you know, how are middle classes shrinking in America? Yeah,
4: that's
2: what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: And, you know, there's less and less people that live in, Places with basements that want to make music and, you know, like those garages and like, you know, just there's so much happening that it's kind of it feels like we're losing some of this opportunity. I mean, I feel it living in New York City all the time. It's like there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to play anymore. And I'm really curious, you know, what you guys think about the future of not just funk music, but the aspiring musician in America right now, you know, what. What are, does what the future hold for, for people that just want to get together in some basement and play, you know?
2: Well, well luckily, luckily you don't need a basement anymore. No, and, yeah. You know, I think one thing that's amazing is the DIY nature of, of music and the fact that, you know, obviously all you need is a, not even a laptop it could be an iPad or it could be a phone or whatever, but, but that, that, you know, that democratized music and rock music and, with instruments is a little now. It's a little more niche compared to electronic music and genres that are adjacent mm-hmm. to electronic music. But what's cool, cool about what we're discussing now is that traditions interpolate from each other, reference each other. So it's not because there's no more garages that this music that we're talking about is dead because it's it's being it's being sampled, it's being referenced. It's being repurposed by subsequent generations, you know? So there's sort of two things. There's obviously like the the, the question of the shrinking middle class is a real problem, but I think musically there's there's a million different avenues and um, some of the most exciting genres of music don't need a basement or, you know, or sort of yeah. five, <laughs> four, three piece band anymore. And... I mean, it's okay when they're there. it's amazing, you know, and I, I, I think being in New York and looking what the, literally what kids are doing, you know, I go to Babies All right and I watch like the sort of newer wave of like indie kids and and, and the ba- the bands are back, and I love it. you know, I'm here for it but the beautiful thing about all these musical traditions is that they, they, it just keeps going, you know, it references itself. They reference each other to keep evolving. The, the means change, you know, with Chromio, we're very, we're sort of traditionalist in a certain way. Cause we just use, we just use analog sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do things in kind of, yeah, like an artisanal way. And that's, that's our twist, right? That's, that's our, that's our little contribution, but, I don't know, it, it, it's beautiful to see it all evolve. Like we, I, I, think it's, I think it behooves us to, to, to sort of embrace all of that.
0: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand
4: Canyon for the first time